so I'm here with Jessica Nathanson Hello. from Israel. <laughs> um, and we've just had a, a really enjoyable conversation about non-duality and uni-duality. Um, and now we're back, but this time with biscuits. And nuts. And nuts. Mm -hmm. To um, just pick over that conversation and, mm. and see if there's anything more we want to add. Um, and one of the things that that came up for me, I, I thought it was going to be, I, there was a part of me I think was heading towards it as the end of the conversation and then there came a moment where our eyes kind of met and it got so... We dissolved so into it, the it, big it, love. It was, it was very deep and suddenly the conversation, oh, I think we've done and that felt right. Um, and this would have been maybe a too negative thought to go to, but I wanted to be critical. I, I've talked about Ramesh Balsakar um, being one of the teachers that introduced me to the non-dual vision and how it seemed positive and then became negative and wanting to find a both-hand vision. Um, and, and one of the books that I bought, well, interestingly, I'm just thinking about this right now, Jessica. It was actually two books. I read lots of his books. One of them, interestingly, was called Duet for One, which is, yeah, which is exactly what I'm That's saying. Exactly. Very even, even well said. I didn't feel like Ramesh was really saying that. Duet for one. But it's, that's Duet for One. It's beautiful. Is a beautiful, poetic version of it. It was his translation of one of the Gitas, the non-dual Gitas, and it was beautiful. And then the other one, the title of the other one, <laughs> was um, The Final Truth. And really how, you know, and I read it and I found it very interesting. And, yeah. But I look back now and I think of all I know about myself, that why my you know, detector of crazy bullshit wasn't yeah. going, do, 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 this guy's, you really? And what you, there's something about that which seems central to this as well. I think so. And it's because it's defining the truth as a negative. You said this. It's a non-truth. Right. So... Once you've seen through the self and the illusion of separateness, uh, there is, that's it. I like, there's nothing to do. You've got, there's nothing to do. There's a non-teaching. There's no one to go there and done, yeah. you're done. And that's the final truth. And that feels a million miles away from where I am now, which is, well, first of all, the truth is not a thing which you find. The truth is a trustworthy mm. belief. And that trustworthiness is relative to your purposes, to your evolution. Yeah. The, what seems trustworthy now may become untrustworthy later. And when you discover more, it's an evolving thing. So it's not like the truth, which is final. But instead, this much more optimistic thing where you're expanding. And when I look at humanity, look at how we've expanded our understanding. And that feels like what spirituality needs to catch up with. It yes. needs to get that evolutionary insight yeah. And then take all of the wonderful mm. states it's been exploring and, ex and understand them in that way. That's, no final truth. No, that's amazing. There's something firstly very kind of cold about that. The final truth, right? It yeah. makes, makes me think of the final solution. Yeah, yeah. well you've <laughs> mentioned this Continuing on with my sort of dark metaphors here, but I'm trying to do it I, I, in jest. I, you, you, you said this earlier and I loved it the, because it's very dark yes. and... and you can say it, but the, yeah, I mean, you, you, and what made me, why it's funny, 
is because there's a kind of truth in it that you, it's the eradication of exactly and all the selves. Yeah, and it really is only really meant to describe the most extreme, I think. Because actually, I, I didn't mention this before, and it, it frightens me to even say this. I One of the books that I had read on my Kindle um, a few years after my big awakening was called um, I Hope You Die Soon. I've heard of a neo advaita book by I don't know somebody Sylvester or something. Oh, I know him. Richard, yes. maybe? Richard Sylvester. Oh God! Yes, and I, I don't dare open the book again. I'm afraid yeah. that I'll have that I'll start crying or something. But yeah. um, the other one is, and I can't remember his name, but he's a YouTuber who does a lot of um, neo advaita stuff. And his his weekly talk is called "Come Die with Me." It, I mean, it really—it's a culture of death. And that's when I said the sort of suicide cult, it really, it really is. You know, there was that actual suicide cult, right? Where they were all taught to, um, they, they committed suicide together. You know, well, remember there's been that? a few, but I don't know which one. Okay, so this was sort of like a, a spiritual suicide club. Right. I mean, I think it's a, a perfect metaphor because I really did go that hardcore. Um, so I, I do think it's important to, to say it that way. Um, the, the, the final solution, the final, what was it? The truth. final, the final, final truth. truth. And I, I really like what you've opened me up to is this um, vision of potential and how that path is really the end of human potential, isn't it? Yeah. We, there's nowhere left to go. There's nothing yeah. to do. There's maybe something peaceful about that at a certain point when you're really tired and you've run yourself ragged from this whole human thing. But then it just stops there. And aren't we more interested in flourishing? I think human flourishing is what I'm really curious about. How can we use non-duality, and I'm going to say uni-duality, because I don't think non-duality fits it, to lead to, to flourish. human flourishing. And you said yeah. that the universe is, I think, blossoming into God. Yeah, flowering, yeah. blossoming into God. That's another image which we didn't get into in the, in the conversation about yeah, non-duality, which is the idea that there's an awful lot in the Actually, no, I actually think I'm open to the possibility that it's actually a reflection of the, the actual evolutionary process itself. Hmm. That at a certain point around the Axel Age, 500 BC or something like that, where a lot of these traditions start and hmm. you get all of these figures, often mythological figures, semi-historical or something, where you, people are glimpsing these non-dual or, or, or oneness states as an escape. Yeah. And then later you get, for instance, one example, a big one obviously, is, is the Christianity. Mm. So the 500 years later maybe, um, um, so, so from 500 BC you know, to up to zero as we call it. Um, what you arrives then is a whole new idea, where you've got the idea of a God, a oneness, which is a being of love. Mm. I mean, actually, you get that statement. I mean, there's a in the letter of John, God is love, and those that live in God live in love, and God mm. lives in them. I mean, amazing statement. That's a whole new thing. Mm -hmm. And you've gone from the idea of deities as, like, tribal gods, <coughs> uh, thunder gods, all this sort of thing, in conflict. Not, not, certainly not loving, and, no. not, and not trustworthy. Not so much. Not, not people you kind of go, you know, they may help you. They like the forces of nature. They feed you, but they may kill you. You know, exactly. you know what you're going to do. Yeah. And then you've got this kind of love. And, and my... And if you look at the mystical literature, you've got these two traditions. One is kind of, oh, look, it's all horrible. Dissolve back into the yeah. primal yes. emptiness. Yes, yes. And then you've got this new tradition, which is like, no, 
move forward into this emergent love, right. serve, bring the love into the world, it will be, I mean, it's also originally very world denying, but it will become more world enhancing. Right. So I love that idea. And the, and the idea that, that, that what we're waking up to is in fact a higher level of emergence than we are. And my, the thing that really moves me is the idea that, that actually that is, a, that is arising through us waking up. Right. That as we wake up into oneness, this exactly. unitary soul, yeah. which you could call God, although it's a very ver different version of God, because it's not God at the beginning, mm -hmm. it's God which is arising. Uh, Pierre Terre de Chardin has this. I never knew this. how to pronounce that name, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he has a, a di kind of different way of saying it, yeah. but essentially it's the same thing. Mm. It's like this idea. And then you've got a completely different vision, because it's not... It's, it's the even, it feels like there's, the, if you, if you, there's a kind of, the, there's a theory, there's that kind of, it's all fucked up theory. Yeah. Which is, we've got into this yep. confusion, God's we'll put an end to this, it. get back to how it was originally, and dissolve back into the ocean of emptiness, and mm -hmm. it'll all be much better for it, because you've been a big, you know, the whole thing's been a mistake, exactly. you've been a mistake. Yeah. Versus, no, 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 it's all flowering into something right. so beautiful you can't imagine. Right. And if you don't like where it's gone, or where it's going, we can change it, but yes. we need to emerge to this individual level. Yeah, and that's where that, the that's possibilities the key, open. That it can, we can is that, and that's where it has meaning. Yeah, because it goes. Look, this is we are part of that process, and and the idea, it's, <clears throat> the idea I want to put out and, and, and let people contemplate is the idea that that, that that presence that we can experience as God, that thing which is greater than us, which is so benign and benevolent. Mm is actually made of us. We, right. It is like my body is made of all these individual cells. Yeah. It's a combination, a communion of all these individual psyches or souls. Mm. And then suddenly you have a very different version. It's night and day. It is, isn't it? And, and so the unidual evolution arrives into this coming together, this both and coming together mm -hmm. of con the conscious oneness. Yeah, that's where the optimism comes in, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. So, was there anything else which struck you in what we were exploring and just wandering around in? Those are two big ideas that came up. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things. I don't think there's anything else specific. Good, good. I'm sure tons of things will bubble up later when I'm not in front of you, but... Yeah, <laughs> good, good. Well, I really think it was good to come back and pick up those two things. One is, yeah, the idea that there's some final truth and the opposite of that, which is their continual emergence. Yeah, exactly. And one of the ways that those two things come together, and the idea that that <clears> emergence <throat> may be the universe flowering into God, yeah. rather than having come from God, where those two things fit together for me, is that you cannot arrive even at a final representation of truth mm -hmm. if the very thing you're representing is always more. Hmm. Can you say that again? You can't arrive, even if, even if you take a rather clumsy version of truth that you're kind of representing reality accurately, yeah. which I don't think is quite right. Really, mm -hmm. but, but if you have that view, if the thing you're representing is continu continually becoming more, mm. if, you, if you had to describe the whole universe, say you could, I mean, obviously you can't, but say you could, say you could represent everything as it is, the soon as you'd said it, it it's all changed. It's all become more than. Right. And if in that process of emergence, mm. sometimes there's massive emergent jumps, yeah. 
you can never, you can't ever contain it. It's always moving. It's moving. You can't capture and, it. Like and, and more than, and more than, always more and than. more than. Every second. So that, literally every second. So the so all of those old-fashioned ideas of truth, I think we need to abandon them. Yeah, that makes sense to and me. And actually go, look, what we're looking for is understandings which help, which are trustworthy yes. to help us navigate yeah. what is a very complex thing. The great, another great thing, we are sorry, going on again, but another, another thing which is very attractive about non-duality and the reason that we went from, you know, when I was interested in non-duality, I had to go to India. There was no non-dual <laughs> teachers, really, right. a handful. Mm. Uh, they weren't very famous, I didn't know them. And then suddenly there was like a non-dual teacher on every street corner. Exactly. It was like, yep. Everyone was a non-dual yeah. teacher because it had a, an incredible simplicity to it, very attractive. Mm -hmm. All you've got to realise is there's no self, there's no doer, yeah. whatever the particular line is, and you're there. Right. You've got it. Just enter that state. And, oh, you know, and you've arrived. Or if you haven't, and you can teach other people because it's that. The difference between that and, no, 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 we live in an immensely complex mm -hmm. in which different people need to understand different elements of reality because it's so vast and complex. And then we have to live in it. We exactly. have to live with biology. We have to live with psychology. We have to live with each other. We have to live with each other on different levels. Exactly. Some of whom are very awake and loving and caring, and some are not. Exactly. And dangerous. Right. And still living in the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that we need the wisdom to navigate all of that with love exactly. or benevolence. Right. That's a huge undertaking. It's a huge undertaking. And, you know, there's no end in sight to how much wisdom exactly. we can gain and on that. And you have to choose to commit to that. Yeah. And then, it be, the, so the whole idea of this kind of spiritually naive nihilism. Nihilism is what it is. Becomes, uh, I want to say, slightly ridiculous. It's very immature. It's almost yeah. teenager-ish. And then did you have it, when I, when I had it, it wasn't very long for me, but I, what I did notice was I went through this phase that I see happen a lot. Tell me if you had it. And I will sure I completely, well, I will <laughs> confess to it. It's like... I felt like, oh, this is the real thing. Yes. And all of those other poor benighted souls are working on themselves oh my God. and doing psychological work and all of that nonsense. It just drops away because you just suddenly realize it's just this. You just get this. Oh and gosh. all of that is like so kindergarten. But I have yeah. got this. I'm so happy you said that because that is actually a thread. <laughs> it's very important to me because I want to kind of move into psychology and also help people understand why this path is so unhealthy, is that it, it tries to negate the validity, not just of psychology and psychotherapy, but it actually pathologizes the Western notion of what is mental health. So it pathologizes mental health from a psychological level and then presents itself as, let's say, spiritually healthy and yeah. pits that against let's say, sort of common sense psychological health. Yep. And there's something obviously very damaging about that. So yep. you have people that need therapy, for example, who go to these non-dual sort of communities and say, oh, science is just an illusion. And they say, any, any attempt to work on yourself or change yourself or develop yourself is basically a fool's errand. Like you're laughed at. Because yeah. that self that you're working on is just an illusion. Ha, 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 ha. You know, it's changing deck tears on the Titanic. It, it, 
Yes, my dad always used to say that. But that's exactly, yeah, an exercise in futility. futility. And it was always, it was very funny too, right? So we could laugh at those people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then what are they doing? They're essentially just giving you, you know, the five steps to this instant enlightenment. Yeah. And it's still the ego trying to better its own experience by getting rid of itself. Exactly. But it's a very, yeah. very problematic. Yeah. So one of the things I see with having run events with people going deep into all this stuff for whatever it is now, 20 something years. I really get it now. Mm. I've had to learn it, but I really, is that, you know, we are so unique. And for one person, it really is, look, loosen up around yourself. Yeah. Stop being so obsessed with your success or your physical life or, you know, right. just, and just open up to a possibility of something far uh, less tangible than that, mm -hmm. that maybe of interest. But sitting next to them can be somebody that you want to go, you're in danger of drifting off and possibly even drifting off into the oneness. You, yeah. you just root yourself in your body. Exactly. And, and, and feel your individuality and, and build a strong foundation before you go there because you could enter states you don't want to enter if you do that. That's very true. It's very much about sort of, let's say, swallowing a stick of dynamite so the whole structure just falls apart. But that's, I think there's, there's this quote that's amazing that said, Neo, some Neo-Advaitins appear like a, a demolition crew coming and uh, toppling down all the beautiful buildings in the neighborhood and then standing triumphantly saying, aha! And it's really... What what they're doing? <laughs> These are another delightfully funny dark image. Yeah. But it, it is. It's yeah. just about destruction. Um, Carl Jung, who came up in our conversation, I think, but he's always Uncle Carl. He's always floating about. He's a, he's a lo lovely man. I like him. Um, he had this thing where I forget where he said it, but he talked about sometimes. Uh, certain forms of mental illness that he was dealing with as failed initiations. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because if you go into these, if you have a strong self yeah. to have as a foundation and you can go up from, mm -hmm. as it were, you will get initiated into these other higher levels and right. it will be healthy. Right, exactly. You won't be perfect. <laughs> no. But you'll be healthy. And if you haven't, then you can be in trouble because exactly it can't right. support it and then it's a failed initiation. And that's where I get very angry, I think, with these sort of, um, you know, instant enlightenment teachers is they're giving a, a blanket prescription and they're saying that, you know, ego death or dissolution of the self is the prescription for everyone at every age, at every stage in their life with no sort of background or differentiation into, you know, who, who these people are or where they're at in their in their life stage. And it can either be a completely, um, you know, psychologically ruining experience, or it can enhance it, yeah. as we're talking about. But it's, it's very shifty, and one has to be very, very careful. And in, on lots of levels, you know, really, I mean, I guess it, maybe it's no more different than whatever you pay attention to flourishes and what you don't pay attention to doesn't. But, I mean, I think back on my life, when people go, what's your story? And I go, well, I had an awakening when I was 12, and off I went on this journey. And, yeah. oh, really, it starts so young for you. You're so lucky. And I was lucky, and it was great, and it's made me Tim, and I'm very, very grateful. But it meant I didn't come into the world at all. <laughs> you know, like mentors for me, like Ram Dass, he was a professor at Harvard. When That's I right. Up. That's right. So he went on as a professor at Harvard. Mm. I was a young guy. Mm. So 
I never had that, you know, I engaged with the world much later when I had a family and became a professional writer and found a, a way into the world and I'm the most in I've ever been and I'm glad. But it all was an illusion and, and of no value. And you were never born and well, you one, never die. One of the big things that comes with that is that sense of that, you know, if I was a real A-lister uh, seeker, I'd be a monk. Right. So I was constantly vacillating between being a monk and not. Yeah. because. Because that was the true thing. That was yeah. the only thing that really mattered. And right. It was my ego trips that took exactly. me into everything else. Exactly. I think you also mentioned um, one of our friends in the retreat was talking about how, you know, but the ego can be such a, you know, such a bastard. And it's, it's true. Um, but you were making that different differentiation between that and sort of egotism. I think the point that I was trying to make was, I guess that whole sort of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? Is that, okay, there's yeah. something that maybe it's broken. Do you just throw it out or do you fix it? Or do you try to repair it or heal it? Yeah, um, exactly. But then the story is, well, you can't fix something that never existed in the first place. And yeah. then you get into that whole sort of like... Well, I think that's where we started the conversation. Um, the, our first conversation was that, like, what is the self that's being denied? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is a body, there is a psyche, there is thinking going on, mm. there is choices being made. I think they'd all agree with that, in that there is some flow of something, you know, Ramesh would, I think, I think he'd just go, it's all just happening. Mm. And it's like, well, okay, well, that's it. It is, what you're saying is just happening, yeah. is an aspect of the universe right. doing its thing. Mm -hmm. It's just that that aspect is you. You're... Yeah that perspective on the universe. That's yeah. what makes you an individual. Mm -hmm. So the identity question becomes huge. That's one of the things I'm really pleased with, with this whole individualism philosophy, is that in spirituality generally, in fact most things, I see very few, or none really, good theories of identity. But if you understand, if you understand that the past accumulates, and that everything is made, that what comes into form is in form. Mm -hmm. And that the universe is learning through that how to be everything. Yeah. And that what enables me to do all of this is my past. So I know these words because of my past. I move like this because of the past. Like everything mm -hmm. is being run by the past. It hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. Then who am I? Well, I'm the past. Everything is. What's the universe? It's its past. Mm. What's Jessica? You're everything that Jessica has done, seen, being... That's what you are. You know what's so interesting about that is it's, it's such the opposite because the story that I ingested so often was your history is an illusion, right? Yeah. Your, your history isn't real. You're not your history. You're not yeah. your story. Well, it's not here, is it? It's gone. Well, has it? If it had right. gone, how the hell would you know yeah. the meaning of these funny sounds? Yeah, yeah. It clearly hasn't gone. And I think you once likened this a bit to dementia. Yeah. Where you have it, it, the the same description can apply to states like depersonalization, even Alzheimer's. You know, yeah. if it's great to not be completely caught up in your history, you know, you want that balance. But it, it's a, it's great to not feel that there's only your history yeah. repeating, because you're losing the most important thing, which is. But it's also creative. Yeah. So your history can become something new, and in time, something quite unrecognizable. Yes. To what you were before. And so you're redeeming your history. So as is... you arrive, well, that's already happened, isn't it? I mean, if we, you know, I'm sure if you compared 
both of us to what we were like when we were five, you go, wow, you're quite different now, yeah, aren't you? Probably. But that you know, because not you know, certainly as a body, let alone anything else. So it, it, it's creative, mm-hmm. it's changing, and then you make choices and you change. So you haven't. It's not like you're your past. Get used to it. Yeah. It's like you're your past. That's what you've got to work with. Mm-hmm. That's that's you. Are, and when I say your past, you are. It's not like you're this strand. You are always this individual system in relationship with the whole. Right. So your your past mm-hmm. is the past of that relationship. That's what you, that's what makes you you. You're, yeah. you're never a little cut off thing. Yeah. You're always the whole. It's a, it's a little hard to understand, I think, at first. Yeah, it is because mm-hmm. it's a new way of thinking. Yeah. But it enables you to then go. So then you get to the problem of who is making the choices. Mm-hmm. Well, the the passivity, this past system. Mm. It's not. And what are you? Well, you're that system. So the idea that you're this free floating thing with no identity, or you're a an essence of consciousness or something. It's like, what does that even mean? Oh, exactly. And then you've got an idea of that doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, that's nonsense. There's, it's, but what does exist is an aspect of the one which is relating to mm. itself. And you're that. Yeah. And, and suddenly you're, a, you, well, you, all the things we've said, you end up with this optimistic. Can we talk family. for a moment about conscious evolution and unconscious evolution? Okay. Because I think that that is where there's so much optimism and empowerment and hope in terms of once you, um, let's say, wake up to individuality and that experience, you then recognize that, let's say, you've called like the self-realizing universe. Yeah. And the moment that through my eyes or through your eyes, you, you see yourself you know, manifested as me, and evolution then can become a conscious rather than an unconscious process. Yes. So I see that on that collective level of, let's say, evolution of existence, but in one's own story, you can, you then have that power to consciously create your life because you're no longer unconsciously creating your life and just sort of at the sort of whim of the habitual self, you now can kind of take control of the reins and choose to steer a different course. Yeah. But that, I know that that fits into your philosophy in a bigger way, so maybe you could. Well, again, it's like seeing the ability to make a conscious choice was a huge, huge, honestly, a huge jump in our evolution. It's why we've evolved so quickly. Yeah. Because we don't have to, because if you look at most nature, it just does something, and then if it works, it carries on. If it doesn't work, it dies. Mm. Whereas we can imagine, you know, should we go there hunting or there hunting? You know, we can work it out. And that's evolved into this level of philosophy. But what's interesting about that is it slows everything down. Mm. If you can function without doing it, it takes up much less energy. It's much quicker. Yeah. It's, it's a very costly on energy and time mm. to just go, ooh, should it? And that's why when you say, I'll have to think about it, let me sleep on it. Yeah. It's like, I can't act right now. Uh-huh. You know, I've got to take time, uh-huh. it's going to take energy, I've got to come back, I've got to look at it from different angles. So, in one way, it's very unproductive. But the overall effect is mm-hmm. you can actually work out the ramifications as best you can right. of acting before you act. Mm. And that means you can now evolve. Acting before you act. Yeah. That's, you can imagine it. Yeah. And therefore you can do the one that you think you can, which may be best based on your past. Mm. Now, when you're doing that with yourself, you can now look at the system, how you're processing the system, how you're working. And rather than just letting it function unconsciously, which is less costly on energy and Mm. time, you can focus on yourself. 
So if you want to, if you want to change yourself and you want to change your life, you, I mean, you've got to stop. Yeah. Take some time. Have a look. Right. And it's, it's costly on time and energy. Yeah. But that means you can reset. It's a bit like I always think like the computer. You know, it's like. I hate it, don't you? When you get a new operating system and you go, oh no. And, but you know it's going to be worth it. Exactly. And you're going to download the new operating system yeah. and you wait and wait and wait. I want to get on. Wait, wait, wait. Oh no, that doesn't work. Now I've got to go and download that one because it's a new operating system. But when you've done it, mm -hmm. oh, exactly. now we're rolling. And it's like that. It's like the conscious changing the self is like that. You, can, yeah. you work out, you change the operating system mm -hmm. and it's costly and mm -hmm. it's... But when you've done it, now you're functioning right. until the next one's available. Yeah. And then it's like, I need to update again. And then... Mm. One last thing, okay. unless there's other things. Um, responsibility. Okay. That's something that really intrigues me. And I think it, it came up in one of our... Um, I think one of the ICU meetups with eye gazing where someone said, you know, they really felt the individuality, but something that came up for them was the sense of, um, of responsibility that now that I experience myself as a individual with everyone, I now have this immense sense of responsibility that I have to step into and I have to choose that. And there is some kind of relinquishment of responsibility that I think some of the, um, those more like modern, non-dual teachings have built into them is sort of like you're not, no longer responsible. Not some. <laughs> totally. I know, I think I try to be a little bit, a bit too soft, spiritually yeah. correct, yeah, if you will. Yeah, no, I mean, that's one of the attractions, isn't it? That's what I wanted I mean, to talk about. Is, Ramesh yeah. said it to me clearly. It's like there's, there's no good and bad. Right. There's no one to blame. There's no one to praise. Yeah. There's no one. So you're not to blame. You're not to praise. You know, it's like... So you, you don't get all the good bits. You don't get the bad bits. And with this... It's the opposite. You see, when I've gone, looked at my experience and gone, well, how would I describe a individual morality? Yeah. It's, ah, there's universal benevolence because mm -hmm. you come into that relationship of oneness and right. love. So it's a wishing well to everything, mm -hmm. which is a very general thing. But then it applies in my life. Mm -hmm. So that's very sp specific. So it's universal benevolence and individual responsibility. Like I'm yeah. responsible for my re my individual relationships with the one. Right. Which means my children, my friends, right. my wife, my parents, my yeah. job, my talents, my... And so, and, and that I think is responsibility. You yeah. Know? And, and interesting though, I'm just thinking this as we're talking, the word. We've been talking about relationship as opposed to sort of a bland oneness, mm. the idea of everything being relationship. Well, responsibility is about responding. Mm. That's what the word comes from. Right. It's like you, you have to respond to the universe as you experience it. Yeah. And you can't control the universe, but you can have some about how you respond. Mm. And that's responsibility. And there's something empowering about that. Oh, but there is also, I feel like there's, you could see it as a burden, right? That, okay, now I'm responsible. What I do reflects on everyone else, which yeah. at the deepest level is true. Yeah. But on the other hand, it can give you um, purpose and meaning yeah. to say, okay, if I make these changes, then I'm also going to be able to affect positive change in all these other ways. So I've been trying to harness that as empowerment. So when I feel like, you know, I want to give up or I feel like I don't have a, a reason to, you know, keep going for this or that to say I can play a role in something greater than myself. So it gives the individual so much more power by recognizing that it's 
embedded sort of in the whole, that it is the whole, it's the individual, but there's something really beautiful and something very motivating about it when I can harness that. But yeah. that's what I love so much about it. But I, to say that you do have to, in order to reclaim your individuality, you're going to have to step into responsibility, I think is something that I want people to know. The, the only bit I want to add to what you've just said, because it's beautifully said, I agree with all of it, it's beautiful empowerment, I love that. I mean, I'm so much like, you've just been at the retreat and yeah. you know, the thing I want to do, I mean, when I started doing the retreats, my aim was, how can I help people experience this oneness that exactly. I touch? Now, it's not that at all. Mm. Now it's like, how can I experience, help them experience the oneness so they go home as empowered individuals? Exactly. It's, so it's all about, like, get this so you can come out as you, feeling like... So I agree with you completely. The one bit I want to say, you know, in the spirit of that kind of... The, the conversation yes. is, you know, you said, oh, but it can be a burden, and I, people definitely feel that. And now, maybe it's getting older, I want to say, yeah, it's a fucking burden. Are you going to pick it up or not? Exactly. It's, it's, that's your burden. Right. Your burden is your life. Yeah. And all the people you love, yeah, they're your burden. You've got to mm -hmm. carry them sometimes, but they will carry you sometimes. Are you, are you up for it? Are you human enough exactly. to do this? Or, you know, can you, find, can you find the courage necessary in such a fearful world? Mm. Can you, you know, and maybe you can't sometimes, and that's understandable, and I can't. And sometimes we need to just sit down and hold each other's hand and exactly. go, it's tough, isn't it? But ultimately, pick up the burden, because exactly. that's the meaning. Yeah. And that's what will make your life worthwhile, right. is your willingness to go, this is heavy. I'm going to carry this because this is my life. Yeah, and I think there's something beautiful. There is. It's and very noble and... yeah. It's very tragic, though. I think to I mean, we agree to see how that the message actually from my earlier days was drop the burden of being somebody. Yeah. Drop the burden of your life. Exactly. Right. The burden of the quotation marks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas it now feels like, and this is perhaps a, a way of capturing it, is, is 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 I feel more and more forthright about. Mm. No, it's, go for it. Not not even just accept it. Yeah, actually seek it. That's how I feel. I right, feel, take it on. Exactly. You know, it's like and learn you, from it and grow you know, from it. If you're not able, if you if you're not able to carry the burden, don't do it. Mm. And and carry a lesser burden. But as you get stronger, and, and I feel that I feel like you know one of, I feel like oh Tim, you know you had a really lucky life. You you should be carrying more. Yeah. And. If I can, I will, mm. because that, that's how we, we, we move it. And, yeah. and that, but also to see that everyone's doing that. Right. And that, that We're doing quote it together. that I think I mentioned from Philo Judeus in Israel a long time ago, going, you know, be kind to everyone, because everyone's carrying a heavy exactly. burden. Exactly, exactly. And the burden they're carrying is themselves in relationship with their universe. Yeah. That's the burden. And that's the difference, yeah. So carry the burden, don't drop the burden. Yeah, I think so. If you can, and put it down yeah, when you need to, find... and have a little rest, and then have another go. Yeah, I think we can we can carry it much better with a narrative like you need. To yeah, have and be willing to um, let people help you with it. Exactly. And to help each other and with to it. To help each other. And to realize that some of the some of it stuff we have to carry together because mm -hmm. we are living communities. And right. We're, we're not. We can only carry we're them not together. Atoms. And and the same with the transformation. Mm. Some of the transformation we have to do together. Mm. And the great thing that I think. The, 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 I don't know, my, my vision is it will happen. Or my optimism is it will happen. I, in fact, I think more, I think it's happening. How quickly, I don't know. But that I think more and more and more people, even in little ways, 
have picking up on what I call this benevolence, this I universal so. benevolence. I, I meet so many essentially good people. That doesn't mean if you treat them badly, you won't get a, like, you know, and that's kind of right. Mm. You know, it's like, it, but underneath it, there is still a genuinely wishing well. I think it's a real desire to leave, let everyone be themselves now. We've had enough of being told how to be and, you know, a, a real acceptance, mm. widespread. Mm. I mean, still a long way to go, but unlike anything ever in history. Right. Remotely. Right. And so I think this is growing. But we don't want to go so far into the individuality that we lose the universality, right? Yeah, well, I think it's the other way around. I really mm. think we never had it. I don't think we've ever had the universality. Mm. I think it was always unconscious. We've arisen from that. It, we find the universality now, finally, through the individuality. Because mm. by being individuals, we become conscious enough. We, be, we develop as individuals enough that we can be conscious of something not just like, oh, people mm. are my people, yeah. but those people who aren't my people, they're people. Or what matters is my food, what matters is all forms of life. Oh, or, or you know, we, we, that expanding out, the whole of history has been, morality in history has primarily been love and care for those within the community. Right. And fuck over the rest. That's true. That's been history. <laughs> And right. the ones that can do that best, because you need internal consistency, mm. like with the body. The body needs to work together, but it wants to eat that one. Yeah. Same with communities. It's like the work well together inside, mm. but you, so that's why people have been able to do trenches things to each other, enslave each other, to, because they're not the people. We're yeah. the people. They're just other things. Mm. But what's happened in our lifetimes is that's got bigger and bigger bigger and bigger until huge number of people have that essentially univigil insight which is oh no we can care for all people right and because they don't look like us or they're not part of our culture exactly. or not our tribe or there's something bigger of which we're all a part right that's a big vision and it's celebrating differences and then within the you see the universal the, yeah that's right mm. and that's that's historically on the levels we've got it now a very new phenomenon yeah so hopefully it's great I hope so. I think that um, you were saying the other day how things are actually a lot better than they used to be in so many different ways. And one thing that, I, that I'm thinking about a lot lately with COVID and everything that's happening in the world and divisive politics, it seems like there's, and you've described this a lot, this kind of spiritual crisis that's, I don't know how long you would say that's been going on for because I'm not a historian, but um, that there's a real need right now for spirituality and what I see happening is that people are reaching for these sort of modern accessible versions of non-duality. So I have this really big fear that people looking for meaning are going to be turning towards these spiritual narratives that do offer them more of an escape rather than a way to, as we're saying, to kind of engage with whether you want to call it the burden or the responsibility or the human condition that now is a very sort of critical time. Yes for people to discover something like yes, yes. individuality yeah. and uni-duality. Yeah. So. yeah, and it's, and it's not, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean that we had something and then we all lost it. It's like we had religious mythology. Right. And we all agreed, mm -hmm. by and large. Yeah. And so as a community, we had a certainty, never quite worked, but it was enough mm -hmm. to get you through. Then that collapsed and we had this incredible birth of, of science and being able to look at things evidentially in a much more reasonable, rational approach to things, which originally came from that right. and then eventually dismantled that. Mm. 
and has left us in this world now where we've got all the advantages of that, like yeah. the internet mm. and video and right. houses and yeah. jumpers and everything. And, and But what we haven't got, generally, is, is that idea of, oh, there is more than, uh, there's more than matter and biology, which in my humble opinion there most definitely is. We're cut, off from, we're cut off from salt. So there is a crisis. There's a salt crisis which is arising mm. as people are realising that. And part of the reason that we're realising that is also that by and large we're well fed. Yeah. So if you wake up every day and it's like, I don't want to be eaten and I need to eat, <laughs> there's not a lot of time to be thinking about that stuff. But if you're not, right. then eventually you get what you've got in the world and, you, and it starts feeling empty. Because why is it feeling empty? You're not experiencing the more emergent right. levels of reality. Yeah, that's true. And I share your, certainly it was a big impulse for me of wanting to go, look, we need a new spirituality yeah. and it's not this non-duality. Exactly. But the optimistic thing, I think, and I think you agree with me on this, is that actually, since certainly since I was going to, you know, when I, when I went to my first, when I spoke at a first non-dual um, science and non-duality conference, I was the only person there talking about the importance of the individual. Yeah, I can't imagine what that was like. The only one. You were like a heretic. Oh, totally. I was, I, I just, you know, the view was, I think, Tim Freak, he just doesn't get it. Exactly. He just doesn't get it. He he's talking about the same thing, enough. but he's too attached to the self and of he hasn't course. got, he hasn't really got it. And I probably would have felt the same thing. Yeah. But the last few times I've been, actually, I think, interesting though, even when I spoke the first time, the very first time, which I spoke, I arrived there kind of by accident, really, and was given this lovely venue to speak in. My feeling was that the other teachers all thought, "Oh, yeah, he hasn't got a clue." Right. But the audience came yeah. with me. They really came with they me. They must have they been were so like, confused too. Like, I really like this. Right. Like this. And so they, they were. I always felt at those conferences that the audience was far more awake than the teachers. A hundred percent. And the teachers were kind of wrapped up in something which they got stuck in. And the audience was like way ahead, and but I think the teachers are caught up, some of them, because when I see it now, many people have been through exactly the same tra transformation and the transition mm. that I've been through, and you exactly. Through. They're, all, they're not. They're, you know, some of them may be stuck and not moving anywhere, mm. but lots of them are on a journey. Yeah. And so what seemed really clear and obvious then? Yeah, like, oh, exactly. Hang on. Which is natural. And I know so many people who've been through it as a phase. Right. And as a phase, it's really quite healthy. Yeah, I wanted to ask if you, because I have the sense that it, that it is changing and it is moving more towards the both and. I think so. But I'm curious if, in terms of, you talk a lot about temporal, or was it temporal depth? Yeah. Which I love, and I don't have it as much as you do, because you're older than me. You have more passivity. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious if the reason why that might be happening is because, I mean, when was it around when, let's say, Eastern wisdom was coming into the West and droves? Well, again, it's coming bit by bit by bit, but the big moment... Like non-duality, let's say. Well, Eastern stuff, and I'd say primarily 50s and 60s, okay. and then non-duality was much later, I think, mm. 90s even. Yeah. It seems like as the process okay. matures in individuals, they start to kind of, they go completely individual, completely dual, to totally non-dual, to no individual, and then it seems later stage, depending how long for different people, they start to realize, wait a second. Well, we were talking about, do you remember um, the, the other night when, uh, at dinner, about the 10 bull journey? Yeah. That might be a good way of capturing this. Yeah. That you have this tradition in the Zen tradition, where originally it was eight bulls, mm -hmm. 
and it's all the Zen circles, those lovely yeah. circles they do, and with a little picture inside. Yeah. So no teaching, it's just a picture. Mm. But if you understand the picture, it's, a, it's an initiatory journey. Yeah. And the initiation is of someone who's got the bull, but the bull's wild, and that's the self. So it's the animal self. Mm. You're, you've pushed it. But, and this is where the... This is where the idea that you need to tame your ego comes from. And it's a good idea. Right. We do it with we all do kids. Need to. It's like, don't just take everyone else's biscuits or be nice to your sister. Or, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like, this is it's all about taming your own. Tell the truth. Yeah. And, you know, be, think of other people. Right. Not just yourself. Oh, you're That's so selfish. All these things you need to learn. If you learn them successfully, off you go. If you don't, you turn into a criminal. And it's really, or a very difficult sure, person. Sure. So the spiritual, and I think. In, the, in history, I think people have stayed like that mm-hmm. far more into adulthood than we do. Yeah. Um, because they were before us. And they were, so there was much more down on the individual self in the animal self, mm. for good reason. You're driven by sexual desire and, you know, horrendous things that can happen from that. Once that's under control, that feels a bit repressive. <laughs> But when it's, it's not true, under control, it's, it's like, hey, repress right, that. Right, right. It's about, it's all about balance. <laughs> That's no bad thing to yeah, repress yeah. if it's leading to rape and violence. Mm-hmm. And, hey, but once it's not, it's like, relax, it's okay. And sure. so that's been our lifetimes. It's yeah. been like, ah, oh, stop being so uptight about yeah. it. It's okay now. Yeah, yeah. So the ten bull, the eight bulls, the first bulls, was tame the tame the bull, which is the this instinctive mm-hmm. self. So it goes from all these adventures, and eventually the guy's riding home on the bull. He's tamed the bull. It's the same thing you get in the Christian tradition, the Jewish mystical tradition. There it's a donkey. Okay. It's, the donkey in Egyptian is, is set. It's mm. the devil. It's like you tame the donkey. Right. They have donkeys, not bulls, obviously. And then the last, uh, the eighth Zen thing is eventually you go through all these things, and it's empty. There's nothing in it. Right. And that's the no-self. It's like right. you've made the journey, you've tamed the self, you find the no-self. And that is an ancient uh, initiatory path which you find in Gnosticism and the ancient pagan mysteries are the ones I know the best. And I think you and I have both described going on that journey. Yeah. First you wake up to spirituality, it's all about changing yourself. Then you wake up from the self, that feels like a waste of time and an illusion. Uh, and, And then you've seen this. And then at some point in the evolution of Buddhism, somebody added two more. Mm. Circles. Clever person. Yeah. And the, the last one is beautiful in particular because in the last one it's about, it's, the, it's a guy coming back to the marketplace. Right, down the mountain. So he's come down the mountain, he's got his bottle of wine, he's not even a monk, <laughs> he's got a bottle of wine, he's got a stick and he's back in the marketplace, yep. he's back in the world. Right. And that's that whole, in the Zen thing of, you know, when you, before, before Zen, mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. Yep. And, and then in the Zen experience, mountains aren't mountains and rivers aren't rivers. Yep. And then after the and Zen, then, mountains are mountains and rivers are yeah, rivers. exactly. And it's that coming back. And, and what I see in the initiatory process as it evolved was that, that, that addition. Mm-hmm. And so that you can see it happening in those, all the ones I mentioned. So that, that what we're really describing is, ah, making this journey. Right. But because we have no new conscious initiatory path to follow... No one's there the whole time going, right now you're at this level. Exactly. Do that. Exactly. Jessica, and you get... right now I'd like you to concentrate on no self. We'll move on from that. <laughs> but you know, for a while, you know, just spend some time meditating right. on, on what is that presence where yes, you... And exactly. then be like, I'll do that. And then when you're ready, I'll tell you the next thing. Right. Because I'm older and wiser and all this. Exactly. Stuff. We don't have that. Right. So you wander into this and... Right. Lost. And you're taught that that let's say, intermediary phase is the destination, right? Exactly. And that's, I think, what I try to explain to people 
that have been through what I've been through is that the ego death is a phase yeah. of returning, coming down from the mountain with a, an expanded view yeah. to then live in the marketplace. In the, in the Christian mythology, the self dies on the cross right. and comes back mm. in the flesh. In the flesh. In the flesh. That's a key idea there. It doesn't just ascend, it comes back in the flesh. Mm. So it's coming back in. So it does lead to a death, because that's the... Uh, the uh, that's metamorphosis. Yeah. I mean, personally, even now, if I had to invent a new tradition, I wouldn't symbolize it by a man being tortured yeah, to death. hopefully not. You know, it's like that's got that same kind of slightly dark... Of course. You know, yeah, we've moved on from that uh, thing. Sure. But... Nevertheless, you know, well, you know, in the Egyptian tradition, they would take donkeys up a tower and throw them into the <laughs> ground. You know, it's like that seemed like a good symbol. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. no, that. Let's leave the donkeys. No you know. animal sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. You know, we don't need to. Well, kill the bull. The whole well, Mithraism was you kill the bull. Now we kill ourselves. And then in Christianity, it became you kill your 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 your, your, your body. Yeah. Mm. And now we don't need to think of those images. I agree. But the rebirth is what's missing, right? But the rebirth is the resurrection. And, and uh, the word resurrect is, is in the Greek, it means, so it means wake up. Yeah. You, you, you come back. You re Exactly. Reborn. Exactly. You, you come back to life. And that's what I think your retreats do for a lot of people. It's the resurrection. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well... It's been a delight for you coming delight. over from Israel yes, to the retreat. Yes, and I hope to be back. And it's been lovely to be able to film this conversation. It has been amazing. With Rupert Truman, who is sitting there behind the camera. Thank you. Uh, who also made the wonderful What Is Life movies, um, from which this is an extension. And, and we my also gorgeous wife, Debbie, who's looking after the Deb. sound and making sure we don't... And providing endless cups of tea. And got some tea in my kitchen mm. in Glastonbury. And uh, if you're interested in the retreats we're running, check out my website because we'll probably do more. And we're doing them in Glastonbury in my home now because it's uh, very sweet to invite you into my home and have that experience. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you.